You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Hey, Scott, I want to make a prequel to Indiana Jones. Oh, the movie where an archaeologist finds a god box and melts some Nazis. Yeah, that one, but darker. Darker than the Nazis? I have some notes. Welcome everyone to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast that blindly plunges our hands into the darkest holes of cinema in hopes of pulling out anything that can save the audience from disaster. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are talking about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. The the second one for those uh, not keeping score at home. <laughs> the, the second one that chronologically is the first one. Yeah, I forgot that detail. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, the, the classic outing uh, from duo Steven Spielberg as director and a story by George Lucas. I think y'all might have uh, heard of those cats. Uh, written by Willard Hyuk and Gloria Katz. Oh, that, that specific cats. Uh, uh, famous for Howard the Duck and American Graffiti, which I did not know. And of course, stars Harrison Ford as the titular Indiana Jones, Kate Capshaw as Willie Scott, Ki Hui Kwan as Short Round, and Amrish Puri as Mola Ram. And uh, 1984, this flick, so a little, little bit older than me. I don't know why that's an important detail, but it's in here now. <laughs> Worldwide, it, in 1984, it made $333 million, and uh, in today's money, that would be $826 million. What a flop! Yeah, <laughs> yeah and on that uh, cool budget of $28 million, looks like everyone did all right. Pretty so. good. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine a movie being made for $28 million of this scope today. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't, yeah. Uh, you don't see $28 million movies that are crazy action adventures with a big bankable movie star uh, in, in our yeah. modern cinema industry. This is yeah. like a the budget for like a Greta Gerwig indie film or something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, this whole movie is a living testament to, oh, how things have changed uh, in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. Uh, uh, budget inflation on its budget uh, is uh, among them, but not uh, the only one. <clears throat> um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that uh, really date this movie in, in a big bad way. Do you, do you guys have fond memories of the, the Indiana Jones films growing up? I, I remember my, my family, it was just one of those, like, we had the box set and people were generally, uh, like, it was just like, yeah, it's, it's always a classic was sort of the uh, understood uh, knowledge. I think for me, it was it was on TV a lot. Um, and I, 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 I think I really fell in love with Indiana Jones through um, The Last Crusade. Um. I think I liked all of them well enough, mm-hmm. but the Last Crusade is is the one that uh, that feels the most seminal to me. I'm not sure why that is. If it just if it just happened to be on TV the most, that might have been it. That kind of happens with a lot of movies in the in the 80s and 90s for me. Yeah. Uh, weirdly, the Last Crusade is also kind of like my seminal Indiana Jones movie. It's the one that I remember the most distinctly, and it might be the one that I saw first. If I'm perfectly honest. Um. 
so yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with you there, which is not meant to, uh, in any way as a slam against Raiders, which is a great piece of classic adventure cinema. Um, but of the mm-hmm. original trilogy of Indiana Jones movies, yeah, Temple of Doom is probably the weakest. Like, I still like it, mm-hmm. uh, almost in spite of itself. Uh, but yeah. like I, <laughs> but I recognize that it's the weakest of the three. And even then, it's still head and shoulders above any of the more recent Indiana Jones stuff, but yeah, it really, there's, there's lots of choices in this movie that really, uh, really dare you to, uh, keep legging this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's go to the trailer just to hear that, that sweet, sweet score, get everyone in that, uh, Indiana Jones mindset and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll dive into our general discussion. If adventure has a name, it must be Indiana Jones. From Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Indiana Jones. And the Temple of Doom. You don't believe me. You will, Dr. Jones. Fearless explorer, consummate archaeologist, and kisser of women, Indiana Jones is back for another adventure. Er, no, sorry, he's here for his first adventure, and we're back to see it. The indie canon is very weird. Regardless, we meet up with Dr. Jones in Shanghai, where a deal for a diamond with notorious mob boss Lao Che has turned into a real gong show. With everyone's favorite nightclub singer Willie Scott in tow, Indy and his sidekick Short Round escape on a cargo plane that eventually crashes in the Himalayas. There, the trio are led by a mysterious elder to a desolate village in northern India where a sacred stone has been stolen by an ancient cult known as the Thuggee. They also stole a bunch of the villagers' children, probably should have led with that. In any case, Indy, Willie, and Shorty must uncover the thuggy plot through a series of offensive and racist escapades that will leave you wondering if Steven Spielberg should maybe be canceled. Yeah, I guess that's a good place to start, right? The uh, the offensive stuff. Yeah, I was <laughs> even, even sort of positing before we, we started here. Uh, like, is that is it even a note at this point? Like, do we do we include? Uh, don't have all this. Uh, uh, in, you know problematic and and inaccurate depictions of other cultures do we put that in the same light you know as a line item right next to like you know act two dialogue issues like <laughs> I, f- I feel like it's not a like obviously we have to address it i'm not saying we don't don't address yeah, it you but can't... It's, like, it's such a such a glaring problem that it's not so much a note as just a like k yeah you can't not address the elephant in the doom here yeah yeah Hey-o. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, there's there's some not super depictions of Indian culture in this film. There are one too many stuntmen in brownface in this film, which is to say any of them. Uh, it's real gross in a lot of places, and uh, it has not aged incredibly well because of that. Yeah. There's um. There's a strange blending of cultures too, because there's there's um, 
like voodoo stuff in here and um, head shrinking iconography and things like that, right? Just it's uh, it's kind of all over the map. Yeah, it's just kind of a, a hodgepodge of um, like weird foreign mysticism, and yeah, that's not great either. Um, while we were watching, I believe it was Liam who pointed out that it is almost the poster child for Orientalism in films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I uh, Googled the Wikipedia entry for like Orientalism in popular culture, and it is like called out by name as a classic example in on Wikipedia. So it, yeah, it, it really just like reinforces a lot of the same kind of, uh, inaccurate and insensitive was that was what i was looking for before uh, that like you can also you know wag a finger at like 007 movies <clears throat> mm-hmm. but yeah it's just yeah now from a from a development standpoint for you know for the writers who are sitting in the writer's room putting this thing together i i i think it's it would be interesting to for a second just to explore like where do you guys think um all this offensive stuff came from when like like was it was it born out of malice or was it or was it just like a massive degree of ignorance it's it's in my opinion it's ignorance and inconsiderateness it's it's a sort of like hand waving that it doesn't matter because i I actually chalk it up to sort of the same way when you get techno babble in a movie when the writers are like look we just need the 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 scientific gizmo to do the thing we kind of hand wave it away and as long as we do enough things that are close enough the audience will pick up what we're putting down but instead of it being with the way a supercomputer works, it's with the way a whole other culture operates. And by by being like, oh, it doesn't matter if we get the specifics correct, you're essentially saying, oh, this whole culture's, you know, uh, identity doesn't matter. And people who, you know, you're not going to offend any supercomputers, but you are might offend, you know, people who are of that culture seeing their um, their way of life depicted so poorly, you know? There's something more to it than simple, like, inconsiderateness, though, because the Indiana Jones movies are deliberate throwbacks to the kind of serialized action adventures that Spielberg and Lucas liked when they were kids. And those bits of popular culture were very racist, is the sad thing to admit. Um, they they did have a lot of Orientalism in them, and a lot of it was like, ooh, the the weird Asian wizards are out to steal your brains and stuff. And that played well to a, a very ignorant audience at that time, but even by the 80s when these movies were being made, that wasn't great. And I feel like there was a deliberate decision to call back to that kind of like storytelling without really thinking through how it would play and i don't know i don't know that it wasn't kind of even problematic and racist when the movie came out and it's definitely problematic and racist now like it is not aged well yeah yeah i i think a part of what i would imagine would be happening as they're writing it is that thinking that they were trying to choose a, a place first of all that that audiences in in north america wouldn't know very well so that for the express purpose of being able to just uh, come up with as as many 
um, wacky and crazy situations to put, um, you know, the, all the titular characters through. Right. So like, you know, if, if the audience doesn't know that much about India at the, t- at the time, right there, um, you know, maybe they do eat monkey brains. I don't know. Like yeah. you don't know. Well, that's even they mix, they get voodoo in there. Like it's just yeah. that, that they think of like, Oh, no one's going to know enough to, to, to care or ask. And yeah. unfortunately, I'm sure some of the audience didn't at the time, but like the, the fact that they're like, it doesn't matter the same way. Yeah, like uh, explaining sci-fi stuff doesn't matter. It's just it's so like, it's inconsiderate. It's just like it's this like oh, it, it voodoo and and Indian culture. That's the same thing. It's all spooky foreign nonsense. Yeah, you know, and yeah, it's just like lack it's of funny. respect. Yeah, it's because I I feel like movies like this um, sort of painted this very strange um, uh, idea of what's out there in the world for myself as a kid you know what i mean like it's not not just indiana jones in and of itself but like all the movies from the 80s and 90s that sort of played fast and loose with um you know lost worlds and all that kind of stuff and like i feel like i grew up with a very poor understanding of uh of cultures around the world uh and 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 i think even to this day my understanding of cultures is pretty poor just as just because you know that our our pop culture was was not even remotely honest with us about what they what those cultures were all about yeah like i mean i I look back to our our uh aladdin episode and how like some of us didn't immediately catch that like associating bollywood with uh Aladdin mm-hmm. is probably not a you know like it's just like and I'm I'm mad at society for having kind of set me up to like I'm mad at myself for maybe not have done harder work on this things personally as well but yeah like really you look back on some of the shit we grew up watching and it's like wow we were fucking fed nonsense and part of it feels um it feels lazy because like like history yeah. is history is cool like there's so much to explore and there's so much in history, I think, that that uh, that reads as really good fiction. Um, and 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 Hollywood just doesn't, you know, especially in those days. And, and I'm not saying that they're good now, but like, it, you know, they they were just content just to to be lazy about it and just insert their own ideas about uh, what a what a ancient culture or or a different culture. It looks and feels like and then of course that's uh, well, it's, because they don't understand it themselves that's not only the, that the they also comes out. they also change it to match what they think is marketable to an audience right Correct. well you yeah. know the average the average american probably assumes that most indian people eat bugs and snakes and monkey brains so we're just gonna why not let's just throw that that's yeah. gross it'll it'll make for a funny beat in the movie but yeah. no <laughs> yeah you're yeah. you're wrong you're so wrong yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a such a disservice to to everybody in particularly you know uh marginalized groups and, and minorities um but just like it does nobody any good whatsoever yeah. no the thing about the movie though is that it does reach into history and find a cool villain uh with the thuggy cult because that's that's an actual thing like they they actually pulled something out of like mystic history and put it in the movie it's just 
so unfortunate that everything around it is really uncomfortable and kind of a little racist. Yeah, I mean, the most egregious is, I think, I think the most egregious is the... The food. The food scene, right? Yeah. That's also when you're talking about what what are seminal uh, or like like most formative Indiana Jones movies where I actually think this is the one I remember the most because of that and just yeah yeah, yeah there's it's just not like it not only here's the problem with the, the the food scene too is not only is it an awful depiction of you know stuff that doesn't happen um, but it's the second time they go in for a gross food joke. So even just like take all the cultural relevance out of it, it's like you all, they also try to be like, hey, food is gross sometimes. Twice in the in the first act, they actually yeah. go for a surprising amount of gross out humor in this movie for a movie that is yeah. ostensibly aimed at adults. He, yeah, I realize yeah. that's not the big takeaway for the from the. <laughs> the so food ap- scene, apparently, but yeah. apparently, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is responsible for the PG thirteen rating. Because at the time there was PG and R, and it was Indiana Jones was so dark, but not dark enough to receive an R rating, that it pissed parents off that they went to the theater with their kids and they saw like a dude's heart get ripped out, yeah, and then him get dumped into a pool of lava, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so that the, um, you know Spielberg apparently hold some strings uh that uh and uh and that's where the uh, the PG-13 rating came from. Hmm. There you go. But do your own research. I I heard, I I saw that in in a video that I watched just recently before we came on air. So I'm hope I'm just relying on them being right. So do your own research on that, but I'm yeah. yeah. Yeah, this uh, this movie is full of uh, very uh, interesting choices. I, I think, uh, in terms of uh, things, maybe we would uh, want to cut. I don't know about you, but just the general demeanor of the character really seems like. <laughs> yeah, she needed to be toned down because she is way over the top, and she is she is real useless. She is a load in this movie and doesn't really add much. Speaking of not adding much, this is uh, this is an insightful criticism right up there with this movie has racist undertones and like things that have definitely <laughs> been said before. We are not breaking any new ground, but yeah, uh, again, but, it's it's the, but, and know, yet it still needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed because, good lord, what an obnoxious! I, I I was joking as we were watching it. I'm like, I don't know who's worse, uh, Willie Scott or Jar Jar Binks, because <laughs> like at least Jar Jar Binks wants to be liked and be helpful, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I, I generally mean, Jar Jar positive. Binks had Jar Jar Binks had more agency. I mean, yeah, he, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like nice just, things to say about the people around him. Yeah, stuff yeah. just sort of happens to and around Willie. She almost—it's she uh, barely feels like she's there. The character is that hollow, and I think there's a there's a period where she kind of disappears. Um, they get kidnapped by Molaram's men. And then she's just gone for a good chunk while Indy's being turned into um, some sort of zombie, and uh, and and I, <laughs> when she comes back, I'm like, oh right, oh there she is, <laughs> forgot. And 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 I mean, the only reason she comes back is to provide some sort of um, extra motivation for Indy to to 
um, wake up from his trance. And yeah, so yeah, I mean, it, it, again, she's she not doing anything. She's just there to provide stakes for the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And th- she doesn't even provide much in the way of stakes because we don't like her. <laughs> yeah, Indy barely <laughs> no. likes her. Yeah, I mean, like if you. I mean, if you need a damsel, I guess. I mean, like short rounds right there. Like if you need, if like he's he's a he's a kid, and he's in a place where, you know, they're enslaving children. Like he's in direct danger in the Temple of Doom, right? Like, do you you really just don't need her at all, right? Yeah, I wonder if this this whole movie could could like if you just got rid of her entirely could would it still work like because i think the only time she's ever like extremely useful is when she reaches her hand in to stop the like um uh spike trap from activating and it's like we'll just have indy in there and have short round do it when else when else do we need her like when else is she do we need a third party member (laughs) i can understand the desire especially in a pulp serial and especially in the 80s uh, to want to have a, yeah, to a love lady. interest. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the thing is, you you don't want to create a character who is just unlike, so unlikable that even the other characters don't like her, really. Um, I think there's mm-hmm. a way to make Willie Scott work in this movie. Uh, it's just, unfortunately, in the movie we got, she doesn't really... Yeah, I mean, like you say, like she's so unlikable that when the Indy and Willie are supposed to have their romantic scene, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't play very well. Like it's a, it could be a a, a decent comedy scene where they. I didn't mind the way that that whole scene played out, where they're kind of like uh, they're both angry waiting at each for the other. other, and and yeah, and 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 daring each other or telling each other that like you'll you know you'll be back you'll you want me so bad you're gonna come into my room at some point tonight and then they both just spend a bunch of time in their own room alone while the other person doesn't doesn't go over to their room like that would work i think if there were any uh romantic chemistry between the two but there isn't and and you just and she's written so poorly and um performed so poorly that it just you just yeah that crushes that scene which i mean it could be good but it just isn't well i mean i think those are the, the big uh the big cuts are there any anything we would uh really want to keep like any things that you you we, we loved dearly about this and, and whoever a pull to uh build our notes upon whoever is the cinematographer for this movie that person you keep and you give him a raise um mm-hmm. because the movie looks quite good uh, it's shot really interestingly. The stuff in the temple is really like well lit. Uh, whoever did the production design and whoever did the cinematography, both like A plus, good work. Yeah, the te- the temple looks great. The scene where he's he's tripping out on hallucinogens, just locked in a room with a stone tablet and candles in no particular order on the wall. I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm stealing that imagery for a D and D thing later. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, I uh, it, it I, I thought the lava looked great. I really like that. I th- um I thought the the look of the the temple, like you say, Scott Lewis, um, really good production design on that. Um, uh, I like the whole contraption of just like lowering someone in a, in like a like a human sized cage like that. It's just yeah, it's it's very it's it's immediately scary 
and uh, and, and you know it's an instant uh, evocative. It provides a lot of tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to keep Mola Rom. Like, I think he's a cool villain. I think he's got a neat oh, yeah. motivation, which could be explored maybe even further in the movie. Um, and I think the the thuggy cult works, even if most of the rest of the India stuff doesn't. And I, I want to say there's a way that you can fix it. I'm I'm not entirely certain how. Maybe this is the thing we have to brainstorm a little in the second half. But yeah. I I personally would hate to lose Molaram in this movie. And I would hate to have a version of Temple of Doom where he's not ripping out dudes' hearts. Do you guys, just a quick question. Do you guys think, I said this in the chat when we were watching it. Do you guys think that the, um, they reveal the paranormal stuff too soon? I don't. I don't think so. Like any, it was a nice slow burn in Raiders, but uh, for this one here, it's like I mean, this this stone goes missing from a village, and the village is like we're cursed without this stone. So like they introduce the concept of a of a curse that's having very real effects on the people around them early on. So you kind of can't avoid it. I think, but it, it's not not without considering. Yeah, I guess. <clears throat> Maybe it's um, maybe I'm just reading Indiana Jones wrong, but um, I always thought like part of the the real fun of of Indiana Jones was like the the thing that he was like the artifact he was chasing always it never it never felt powerful until suddenly at the end it's revealed that it it's as powerful as it as it is like you know they're in the Raiders, they're chasing around the Ark, but and they kind of talk about like what it can do, but it's always sort of treated treated as like uh, superstition or or whatever. It's not that you know, right up it's until all, they, it's they all open myths it. and legends, yeah. And I kind of it's I, like a it's like a horror movie thing too of like when you do a sequel to a horror movie, we've already seen you know Freddy or Jaws or whatever, so it's like there's really no point teasing it because we've already we know it's gonna we know we're gonna get the shot of the villain thing. What what was the MacGuffin in um, Last Crusade? I don't remember the Holy Grail, right? <laughs> the literal the literal Holy Grail of MacGuffins. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> right? And but like yeah. it, I mean that's that's true except. Except that in Last Crusade, they go back to that old model where um, it doesn't it doesn't feel supernatural until you get to that um, the temple or cave or whatever you want to call it where the the Holy Grail is, um, and it, and and you don't really get a sense of like for how supernatural it is in, until the characters are standing in front of a literal seven hundred or whatever year old man, two thousand year old man probably right more. Yep. I can't remember the. Yeah. The difference here is that while there are occult elements to the Nazis, um, the Nazis are also a very secular sort of villain, whereas the thuggy cult are inherently mystical and they're inherently, Mm. they've got an inherent religious undertone. And so I can see wanting to lean into the occult aspect of that earlier on. Um, But I, I mean, there's a way you could probably do it the other way too, because you could set them up as like religious fanatics. Um, early on with like just assassins and dudes like coming out of the walls and not really play up the, the supernatural stuff until more into the third act. Cause I feel like we get into the temple in the second act here. Or, or at least until um, they give Indy the, the, 
drink of blood or whatever. And at that, that'd like, be. Yeah, what if what if that's where it's revealed, where we don't even know as the audience if what he's seeing is is hallucinations or not? Like, like the the the, the, the supernatural nature of the cult is revealed to us in a uh, you know fugue state, uh, and then it's like, oh no, these these aren't visions. This this shit's going down. Yeah, I'm kind so, of down with that too. Like like is it or isn't it for the first little while, and then only in the third act does it get revealed. Oh no, it actually is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were not seeing things yeah now, he actually can rip a dude's heart out oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't know I, the, for some like for some reason that just feels like a core element of Indiana Jones to me and, and um, maybe other people don't feel the same way that's just how I, I look at it but yeah. we're getting ourselves nicely into changes so we might as well uh, hear from the old sponsors and then get back into it Interested in making a positive impact on your community? ATB Goodness Grows offers a way for Albertans to help uplift their community at any time. Through Goodness Grows, Albertans can pay it forward by sharing their acts of goodness and create a chain reaction to inspire others to do the same. Use the hashtag ATB Goodness Grows to follow along, get inspired, and join in. Welcome back, everyone, to I Have Some Notes. Time to rewrite Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, I think uh, the first uh, first thing I want to pitch is uh, yeah, just uh, you know I'm gonna go ahead and just say it. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut the third character altogether. We don't need we don't need uh, Willie. Willie. It's a bold yeah. it's a bold cut, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna start the line there, and we can work backwards or forwards. Yeah, I think I'm fine with that. I I, I mean, it. it the only problem with that is, like, then I think there's no women in this movie. Yes, that's that's a bit of a... I'm, I'm more thinking of it as a, from the perspective, like, you've heard the, the, the criticism that in Raiders of the Lost Ark, all the events would transpire whether Indiana Jones was present or not. Oh, yeah. That's that's sort of the... I think it was like on an episode of The Big Bang Theory where one of the one of the women point that out to them and they're all chapped. Um, but yeah, I feel like nothing in this movie happens for the most part because of her actions uh, or what few small ones there are you could, you know, have uh, yeah. another character do. Uh, so yes, obviously I would like there to be uh, more women in this movie, but yeah, I really don't think you need three party members. I, I agree. I think this is kind of a hazard of reimagining a lot of the early 80s and 90s movies that we reimagine is that most of the women characters are written very poorly so it it feels like uh like we often try and like you know beef them up and stuff like that but it can often feel like uh, they just need to be getting rid of or or whatever so like i th- i feel like this isn't the first time we've run into this problem and yeah. <laughs> it probably won't be the last and i know that we often just suggest like hey let's uh uh let's gender flip someone or something like that but i don't know I don't know if I feel like uh, cutting her out completely is is the right way to go, or 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 whether there's a way to massage her into the into the story in a, in a way that um, you know uh, feels a bit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> then maybe no. Here's I'll, I'll make a pitch then, just so we because she's most obnoxious when they are falling to their death down the Himalayas. Um, yeah. so perhaps she is still there for the, um, 
scene in Club Obi Wan where he gets to uh, you know kind of use her as like a, a, a meat shield. Um, but perhaps uh, uh, that's where they part ways, and then she returns later to be a performer for the Maharaja. Um, and there's no monkey brains to be eaten, or she serves the monkey brains. I don't know, but like, yeah, maybe just she doesn't need to be attached to the hip with him for the entirety of the movie. Uh, perhaps, yeah. She could be. And then if she comes well, back let, later, then it's a bit of a like, oh, this ally is here to save me. This nice lady from before is just who I needed to see in this dire moment. Okay, yeah. Um, well, I'll throw um, my pitch for a change out there because it involves her introduction or at least the scene that she's introduced in. And then, um, you know, we can maybe writer's room it from there. But I, I said in the, in the chat last night that I, I felt like it was a bit of a problem that the opening sequence didn't tie directly to the rest of the plot. And, uh, it wouldn't normally be an issue. Like, most Indiana Jones movies open up with like they've got a cold open that really doesn't have too much to do with the the main plot of the movie, and, and that's fine. But I think the I think the issue is is that that the Shanghai hijinks um, dire- they basically directly bumblefuck their way to India from there, and it just they just kind of like land in they just land in India by complete accident and then and then it's just like well time for an adventure and it just for me it just doesn't work i don't know how you guys feel about that the other yeah. the other two good indiana jones movies um raiders and crusade uh both they do both start in media res but what we get is the end of his previous adventure and then there's a little kind of segue and then we go into the next adventure like he has a little bit of downtime in between where we can reset um and this one, I mean, it does start in media res at the end of his previous adventure, but you're right. He just immediately stumbles directly into the next one. There's no breathing room. And maybe that's something that the movie needs a little bit. Yeah, I think I would, I think I would kind of like it if the, you know, if the, if the artifact that they were, that they were discussing had something to do with um, the thuggy cult or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, didn't you say there were five stones? One in the village, three in the cult, two that we never see? Uh, two in the cult, including the one that was stolen from the village. Uh, that would be three. Sorry, yeah, okay. But there's there's two that we never see, right? Like, there's a five total? Yep. Yeah, then make, make, a, make that diamond at the beginning one of those. Yeah. Maybe, you know, I don't I know. Ca- I kind of, you know, the, the stones... The stones themselves don't don't t- like until they start glowing all cool. Like they don't look like much, and uh, I think it, I think it'd be kind of fun to play with that a little bit. Where the stones are being bartered for, but perhaps Indiana Jones doesn't understand. He doesn't. He's never seen them before. He doesn't know anything about them. And they don't look like much. It just looks like a rock, and like he, you know, him not understanding what the importance of that is sort of leads him to just dismiss it. And you know, when they end up sort of leaving Shanghai, here's my thought. Um, maybe we can get Willie a bit more involved in the sense that like she takes one of those stones because she kind of understands how important it is or what it is. Maybe she's subversively working for the thuggy cult to retrieve all the stones. 
Uh, and she is one of the people that dives out of the plane early, leading to his crash. Um, oh yeah. And and then it's uh, and then when Indy happens to land in near this uh, this town that's missing the stone, that's the impetus for adventure because he knows that she left with this seemingly unimportant rock, you know, um, and and then he's off on his way to 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 find her. Does that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. No, I, I track that tracks. My only issue with that is that shades of Elsa from Last Crusade. Yeah, um, a little bit. And I, I recognize this movie came out first, but we're also looking at them both with hindsight. And you're <laughs> you're making you're making another character in another Indiana Jones movie who's both a love interest and also one of the villains. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't have to be a love interest. I mean, she's the only woman in an Indiana Jones movie who's going to kiss her at some point. <laughs> I mean, it's I all mean, gets solved if we just cut her. I mean, this movie's not going to pass the Bechdel test with her, so... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we gen- gender flip Malaram and, and Indy can kiss Malaram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, yes, until you said kiss, and I'm like, wait, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, ooh, that'd be, you know. I I just want to point out, I love the fact that we haven't even suggested that the sidekick who needs to be cut is short round. Like, it's not even on the table. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, it's sort of the same thing of, like, you know, it's such an obvious note, does it need to be said? But yes, it does. Just, just take away his, like, broken English, you know, uh, kind of nonsense, half half English lines, and just give him... Either just have them communicate in another language, or give him an American accent. Like I don't know, just he's great. He's just well, great. I think and just actually, um, we were watching um, a video of him just before the show. I'm pretty sure that's his actual accent. Can we all cut everything we just said here? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's interesting yeah. because short round gets a lot of. Um, I want to say a lot of criticism from people who like this movie uh, or rather who, who dislike this movie, but short round is awesome. He uh, is a great kid sidekick. He's not, he's not obnoxious. Um, His, uh, a lot of his like funny banter with Indy is legit funny and fun. There's real, there's cute. Yeah. There's real chemistry between Harrison Ford and Kihi Khan. Um, And, they play off each other really well. And short round has a ton of agency in this movie. He does stuff. He saves Indy in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and locations. he's, he's a great kid sidekick. And I don't know why he gets so much hate from people who watch this. <laughs> well, I think, movie. It, I think, and that's what I was trying to, trying to say with the, like, maybe not the accent wasn't the word I was looking for, but just those, like the, his lines are the, like, you know, kind of have the same intonation and delivery as like a like a Mickey Rudy in Breakfast at Tiffany's like he's I think, saying yeah, broken I think English nonsense and if they just clean that up a little I think it's fine. I, it's yeah, the difference I between think, I think you're, it's the difference between in the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie they wrote Captain Jack Sparrow different than how Johnny Depp played him and in the second one they wrote Captain Jack Sparrow as Johnny Depp playing him and you can tell there's a difference and I think maybe part of the problem is that he's written as someone who speaks broken English when it would have been maybe a better choice to write him 
as someone who speaks English and let the actor's natural accent uh, play into that. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think you're. I think you're bang on, Scott. Like they basically wrote him as a trope, and that's no no fault of the actor at all. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But other than that, yeah, I, I think I he's like, a uh, solid I, sidekick. Yeah, I like short round two, um, and it's you know it's it's funny that it's it's been suggested a few times uh, that um, a great indie sequel would be, um, you know, the return of short round as uh, as taking up the indie's mantle and he's kind of a natural fit for that because you know he uh he's sort of like uh indie's adopted son in this movie and he he's he's an adventurer just like indiana jones is and you know it, it just it would be great you know it's been like great to have someone like you know john cho come in and take up uh indie's hat you know, that'd be really cool yeah Solid agree. But that's for our, our <laughs> next podcast series about the Indiana Jones sequel that we're going to make. <laughs> yeah. Now we have to finish Temple of Doom. Yeah. We still haven't quite resolved Willie here. And, I mean, we haven't even gotten into the rest of the stuff. <laughs> well, let's yeah, maybe put a, put a, a bow on, on that character and see what like what else do we want. Maybe we'll yeah. sort it, sort that problem. Like one problem will solve itself yeah, maybe, as we solve other ones. Maybe working on some of the rest of the plot, we'll find a, a spot to put her in. Um, yeah, because I, I think, um, and you might be, I don't know if you're heading this direction already, Scott, but the... the Aaron had a really good suggestion that I told her that we would we would see, steal, which is to base to basically make the British the villain in this movie, and uh, at least at the the secondary villain, I guess. I actually agree with that, with especially Molaram. especially because Molaram's motivation, like his explicit initial motivation, is he wants to free India from the British, and that's actually like. That's a good motivation. That's not bad. It's just that he then also wants to take over the world, and that's where things get a little more dicey. Um, but having the British be antagonistic uh, and Indy be sympathetic to the uh, to the the native Indians, mm-hmm. there's a lot. I just said a lot of Indy in there. Indian Indy with the Indians. Oh God. Um, <laughs> the uh, having him be sympathetic to the to the native Indians um, and the British be antagonistic could be an interesting way into things. And then he discovers that, oh, actually the thuggy cult who are against the British are actually kind of worse. Uh, is kind of an interesting, an interesting way to go into that. Yeah. And know. then you can spend time with him having uh, sort of butting heads with British soldiers instead of eating weird food, you know, and the, that's just like, because also I'm like, oh. we got to cut the whole, the whole dinner scene. I um, I just had a brainstorm. Um, yeah, we got to fill it with something. Uh, yeah, Briti- <laughs> brainstorm away. The the monkey brainstorm. The British. Uh, <laughs> the British are initially set up as the villains, and it's because they're cracking down on the Indian population, and they're they're citing that it's because there's been this resurgence of the thuggy cult and the sympathetic kid Maharaja and his prime minister. And uh, all of the all of the like poor oppressed natives, they're all saying, no, this is like the British are using this as an excuse to crack down on us. And they could play it up as we need the Sankara stone because it would it would help protect us. and It would help protect our village against these these evil colonists who are, you know, killing us. 
and Indy's sympathetic to that and he wants to help them out. And then the twist in the third act is that the thuggy cult is real. <laughs> Yeah. And they're manipulating him to get the stone so that they can not just get rid of the British, but take over the world. And that's where he's like, oh, I'm I'm actually in the Temple of Doom now. And there's there's the third act twist. And also it sets up the British as the initial villain and then introduces the cult. But we get we get into the guts of the cult a little later that way, too. And, and we can keep the occult stuff a little more on the back burner until until we get to that point. Can I, I, I uh, can I pitch a a slight variation to that? Um, Just, uh, I was, I was watching and I just want to preface this because this is not totally my idea, but I was uh, watching a a video from a a video or a YouTube channel called focal uh, filmmakers of color and luster. And he suggested that um, there may be a way to um, rebuild this movie in a way that makes um, Indiana Jones um, have to reckon with um, his his own um, colonizer attitudes. I guess. Um, yeah. If it's that the the British are the are the villains, but uh, Molaram is kind of using them. The British think that he's kind of um, their their patsy, like they've got him under their their boot, and uh, and ultimately he kind of he kind of turns on them. But then it gives an opportunity for Indiana Jones to sort of have to to reckon with the fact that like you know these uh, white colonial powers are here and they are also um, stealing and and pilfering artifacts and things like that the same way that he does, right? You know, he, he takes artifacts, uh, from uh, around the world and then he brings them back to America. He doesn't give because them they back belong to in a museum, the people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but he doesn't give them back to the cultures that, that need them. Right. And, no. and actually like this, this movie does, he, he does actually give it back to the village, which is actually, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good, but the movie doesn't preface in that, in, yeah, it's not a theme. Like a, it's just a. It's just yeah. a bow in the end. And I, like, I feel like I should also uh, specify, even though in in the pitch I just made, the third act twist is that the thuggy cult is real and super evil. Um, the British do not ride in as the cavalry at the end. They are not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are not heroes. Yeah. They are also villains in the, in my version of yeah. the movie. And Indy finds himself caught between like two bad guys trying to help out the poor innocent natives. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it kind of works um, either way. I just I just um, I thought that that this um, gentleman uh, who um, on YouTube had a, a really good, interesting take on it, and I just wanted to you know to mention actually it. I I like that, and I want to I want to build on that kind of. I think it'd be interesting if the, if the British were the villains, and you had Mullah Ram as as you said, like they think he's their patsy. He's the guy who's helping them acquire cultural relics that are then being shipped off to a British museum somewhere. Like he's, he's seemingly Mm -hmm. helping them gleefully helping them like plunder his own people. But then, but then it turns out that he, he's actually doing it because the British are funding him being able to find the Sankara stones so that yeah, he they can, can have all the other they can have all the other trinkets he just wants the sakara stones yeah. yeah and he he is still the leader of the thuggy cult but he's got the the <clears throat> wool pulled over the british's eyes and they're they're greedy colonists so they don't 
they're not paying attention. And yeah. he just yeah. And then and it, perhaps maybe yeah. hang on. That's even how Indy gets involved. Maybe he's even brought in to be like a helpful arche- colonist archaeologist instead of just falling out of a plane for no reason. Oh, that's great. Um, no, that's good. He we can still have the the cold open in Shanghai, and then he finishes that adventure, and then back in America, he's called up by the British and asked to come to India to help them catalog some like artifacts that recently came into their possession, and that takes him to India. And he starts yeah. out working for the British and then starts to realize what they're doing is wrong. Uh, meets meets like an Indian village that they've sto- that they've stolen a Sankara stone from, becomes sympathetic to them, and then finds himself pitted against uh, the British and and ultimately Molaram. Yeah, that's all over that's a drink great. during the second performance of uh, one Willie Scott who hasn't been around screaming for the last twenty minutes. Just just we haven't seen her since the cold open. Like, right there, we've restructured the movie really well. Yeah. I think this also gives an opportunity for um, Muller Ram to have, like, a, a really, uh, like, a much more interesting reveal. Like, I think if he's, like, if in the scenes that he's interacting with the British, that he's just, like, you know dressed up in like you know really buttoned down kind of suit kind of thing he's he's sort of looks like he's he's blending in with the 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 colonial power and then you know when we get to the temple of doom and he just shows up with this you know completely menacing the robes and the headdress there's a a really interesting yeah visually there's just a really there'll be a real interesting and fun reveal plus this way we also get we also get introduced to Molaram earlier in this version because he's going to be one of Indy's initial contacts in India when he shows up at this point. We, we meet Molaram sooner, but get the supernatural later, which was Greg's thing from earlier. Yeah. So yeah. we get, so we get a build a better buildup for it and we get more time spent with the villain. Yeah. We're also just describing yeah, more... what the thing that James Bond movies do very well. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think short round can still be around. Like Indy could have brought him back to America after the uh, Shanghai uh, stuff, and then when he gets called up to go to India, he's like, "Hey, shorty, want to go to India?" And boom, short round is still around. Like it's as easy as that. Yeah. 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 I mean, or, or I mean, or he could be in in Shanghai as part of his um, his job to get himself into India or, or something like that like there's a way of like yeah I mean you could it could still work to to, to cold open it in Shanghai if we want to but, oh yeah but yeah. like like the original uh Raiders and like Last Crusade the Shanghai stuff is just separate it it serves to reintroduce yeah. us to India in his world and then uh, and right. then we come back to America and have a little downtime and then we're off to India right yeah okay yeah, yeah. I'm good with and that. What, what I love too is everything we're talking about all takes place in the first half. The third act of this movie is tight, exciting action. Oh adventure. yeah! Once we get into the Temple of Doom and start throwing like throwing punches and fighting, bad throwing guys, hearts around. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, no notes post post pit yeah. of lava. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I I I quite dig the 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 last set piece, the big bridge and the, and the alligators and all that kind of stuff. And, um, actually, um, we didn't mention this in the first half when our general discussion, but like, um, Mularam's fall from the bridge is really well done. Like most, f- most falls from height in that era look terrible, but I, that I, one I, looks I, really good. 
I read up on how they did it. It's uh, it's quite an interesting um, uh, how how they made that shot. First of all, they they only got to do it once, so they had every camera at their disposal pointing, yeah, including George Lucas operating one. Uh, and I guess a bunch of the dummies that were on the um, <clears throat> dummies that were on the bridge were uh, mechanical, meant to flail as they fell. Yeah. So yeah, little, yeah. little movie magic. Yeah, I saw that. I, I saw that clip as well. I was actually talking about Molaram's fall specifically when it follows him down towards oh, right. the water, and he kind of like he kind of you know right. he, he shifts and he and he hits things on the way down. Like all that was really good, and and, and I would imagine difficult to pull off, you know, given the technology at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there are a few special effects composites in this movie that on like 4k do not really hold up unfortunately <laughs> but uh there's there's still quite a bit that does look pretty good and there, especially a lot yeah. of the like practical effects stuff is is nice like it holds up yeah the most of the the minecart stuff is um is miniatures and things like that and um i guess i guess they ha- they didn't have a lot of money for that minecart <laughs> they they built they built the miniature and the rock walls out of tin foil and then just painted the tin foil to make it, it look still like looks rocks. pretty good. I think yeah, we I think we good. got the same Google search results, Greg. <laughs> yeah, we must be. <laughs> Was it a video that you watched? No, I, I found like a, a seven seven things you didn't know about Temple of Doom article. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think I glossed. I, I wanted to corroborate your PG thirteen thing, but I didn't. I just like kind of glossed over that part. So I'm like, I think my my seven article said something about the PG thirteen, but yeah, yeah. We, we still haven't quite resolved the Willie Scott situation. Um, she could be just in the cold open, or we could move her out of the Shanghai scene altogether and have her show up in India in some capacity. Well, that, that's sort of what I had pitched, was just like have her in the cold open, and then she's such a beloved globetrotting performer that like she's been invited by the Maharaja personally um, oh yeah. Oh, and Indy yeah, just like ha- she happens to show back up, and in- it's kind of like Belloc in the first movie is in the cold open, and then shows back up in Indy's adventure. She's kind of the yeah. the bridge between the two. She's in the cold open, and then when they get to India, when he gets, uh, when he he gets to a certain point at like the Maharaja's temple, she happens to be singing there, and then she kind of joins back in and helps out. Yeah, yeah, I'm down with that. And uh, oh, she could have been she could have been lured there still as the thuggy cult's sacrifice. So Indy still has to save her. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That works. There we found a spot for Willie. She's she's not totally on the cutting room floor now. <laughs> I mean that again if we want to cut her entirely, I'm still okay with uh, uh the villain being gender flipping the villain and cutting her entirely. That's I I don't believe that's off the table, but I might be alone on that one. Because also I'm, the thing with a, a female, uh, why, why is his name suddenly escaping me? We've said it a hundred times. Molaram. Molaram. I kept wanting to say Maharam. Anyway, uh, uh, if we did have a, a female Mola Ram, it does give a weird sort of motherly thing to the fact that she would have been kidnapping children. Like it's got a weird like you know witch's oven vibe, maybe. Oof, mm, that is weird. I don't know. I don't. Know, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily helpful, bad. But, weird. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only downside <laughs> to gender flipping Molaram is that we lose Amrish Puri, who's really good as <laughs> Molaram. Um, I'm good with it. I think it's I like. I think it would be interesting to see a woman in that role. Yeah. Mm. 
Especially, especially could, just I, because of the the kid the kid napping um, gives it that like a like even, a sort of weird like mother's love. Here's the situation. thing, though: we could like you could easily replace Chatterlal, uh, who's the prime minister, with a female character too, and have Mullah Ram have like uh, have a, a femme fatale sidekick, who's maybe also mm-hmm. there to be a bit of a honey trap for Indy, who's a notorious womanizer. Maybe that's how they, you know, they. I mean, they because they they poison him by just like, you know, forcing it on him essentially, don't they? I, I might we might have been looking at Discord during that time, but yeah, if he's seduced into his, uh, if he's seduced weird, into the cult, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I think there's something there. There's there's room for another female character um, without necessarily having to gender flip Molaram. Sweet. Well, I think we uh, I think we've definitely uh, got some some insights that uh, bankable. I think this was. Uh, yeah, well done. That was fun. That was fun. There's, there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot there. I don't. Know, I don't know if we, uh, if we necessarily came out with uh, one singular vision, but uh, yeah. We'll I, I like the ones we'll where we end with lots there, thing. like lots to pull yeah. from. A, from a yeah, yeah. But we also had some great uh, feedback and insights from our listeners. Again, if you want to contribute uh, to our episodes, please l- comment on our Facebook posts when we solicit uh, comments. And we will read them on the air, like I'm about to do now. Uh, Corey Parks uh, shared with us everything. Everything is wrong. They don't need to get weird with it. Short Round wasn't funny, and Kate Capshaw was just awful. They didn't need to go over the top with everything. It's the simplicity of Raiders and Last Crusades that make them great. I, I mean, hard disagree on Short Round. Short Round was genuinely entertaining. Like, when they're playing cards, it's so dang wholesome. That was actually, fun fact, um, basically the audition scene that uh, got that actor the part of Short Round. Uh, they were just seeing how some of the kid actors got al- along with uh, Harrison Ford, and they basically improvised that. And they liked it so much that not only did he get the role, they put it in the movie. <laughs> All right on. Yeah. That's some wholesome trivia. Mambo um, says, I, there, oh, "Hang on, is this this sure. is uh, is there is this really an over the top indie film? Do you think? I don't I don't know if it is. It's no more feels, over the top than some James Bond movies are. Yeah, I, I think know, maybe I, I feel like in terms of like I don't know. It fe- it feels more or less in line with the rest of the indie films. I think. Sir, it feels more it's in line with the other darker, indie. Fi- Sorry, uh, it feels more in line with the other indie films than uh, Crystal Skull does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's different than the other two. Uh, it you're right that it goes a little more occult, a little faster than the other two, but it's certainly no like it's it's no less occult than Raiders of the Lost Ark with melting Nazi faces. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I hard disagree on short round. Uh, yeah, we all agree that Willie Scott's problematic, but I don't know. I don't know. I, it's the weakest of the first three, but it's, I wouldn't say it's bad. Yeah, maybe the overtop is just referring to, like, how much she screams, how much there's gross-out food humor, how much there's, oh, yeah. like... there's there's goes, problems, but... Uh, it goes big in a lot of weird places, maybe, but, yeah. I wouldn't call yeah. the whole thing over the top. I, I, I mean, I don't want to... I, I mean, if that's how... Corey perceives it i don't i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to yeah. tell him he's wrong i mean like if you feel like it's over the top that's uh i mean it just might feel that way to you it just for me it, it didn't really it just it felt more in line with the rest of them we're all allowed to have opinions and we respect each other 
Yeah. <laughs> Except for Matt Bowes, we don't. Except for Matt Bowes, this is a trend. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Matt Bowes, uh, delight. Thank you for commenting. Uh, apart from all the racist stuff, this is probably the best one. Nonstop action and thrills. So get rid of the racism and leave the rest. I mean, that's yeah, kind of what we hit upon. What yeah. <laughs> What's that? Uh, Sorry, I didn't hear you, Scott. I said it, that's, it, that's kind of what we hit upon in the end, basically, yeah. Uh, we yeah. even barely touched the third act because it's just total nonstop action. I uh, Apologies to listeners if you didn't get a, a, a great chance to uh, to comment. Just to, I, I put the call for, uh, for commenting out a little late this time, so you may have missed your shot. I apologize. Well, uh, hopefully by teasing our next episode uh, at the end of the show, what we do here, people can uh, uh, start licking their chops and get excited for our next one. But yeah, if you uh, want to get in on the, the notes having, please uh, uh, comment when we when we solicit them late, though they may sometimes be. Uh, and also we do a watch party every Thursday. So when we do watch the watch the shows on Thursday night, hit us up if you want to join in our Discord chat. We should say every other Thursday. Every other Thursday, Every other yes. Thursday, yeah. Indeed. Well, that has been it for the Temple of Dune. Uh, <clears throat> well, that looks like uh, the e- <clears throat> third time's charm. For the record, I now want to watch Temple of Dune. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is the mashup of this movie and the movie Dune. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to eat the spice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's sandworm surprise. Yeah. <laughs> well, this concludes our episode on Indiana Jones and the Temple of Dune. Thank you very much for listening. You can, of course, <laughs> you said Temple us. of Dune again. <laughs> that time I didn't notice. That was not delivered. Okay, there you go. I'm calling it TOD. Um, <laughs> yo, and that's a wrap on Indy and the TOD. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, uh, this keeping is, uh, all of this. I'm, that's just <laughs> keep. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at I Have Some Notes. You can find our podcast feed at I Have Some If you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help us out. And there are a ton of other wonderful podcasts you can check out right now. They are our sibling shows at the Alberta Podcast Network. You can find them on the website albertapodcastnetwork.com. We post episodes every second week, so uh, tune in two weeks from now for X-Men Dark Phoenix. Oh, boy. Going to roast hey, us some yeah. Phoenix. I, I, <laughs> I'm i not looking forward to watching this, I got to tell you, to be honest. Yeah, I haven't. I, I tuned out at uh, first class. I was, so. <laughs> yeah, I was already, I was already, um, I watched Apocalypse and I was not having a good time with that one. And I heard that this one is even worse. So, oh, yay. joy. I haven't watched an X-Men movie in a very long time uh, because the series was not great. And I do not like to watch movies that I don't really like. So I know nothing about this except well, that I've heard that it is podcast. except yeah. that I well I'll watch the I'll watch the movies for the podcast but like I won't go out of my way. But uh, yeah. yeah, I heard this one is miserably bad and it is basically the franchise killer. So looking forward to it. Yeah. Can we resurrect Dark Phoenix? Ooh. I phoenixes are notoriously <laughs> difficult to resurrect. Um <laughs> Uh, this has been another episode. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. 
I'm Greg Beaver. Wear a face mask, Black Lives Matter, and keep watching the sky. Taproot has launched a service to answer your questions about Edmonton's response to the COVID-19 pandemic and our experience of it. The idea is to help you understand this complex and quickly evolving topic with succinct, well-sourced answers to any questions you might have. Find the COVID-19 microsite at taprootedmonton.ca.